Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. ISO 13485-2016. Folks, it's upon us and you're running out of time. Now is the time to take action. So enjoy this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast, where I talk with Kyle Rose from Rook Quality Systems. Rook Quality Systems is they're doing with this each and every day, helping companies achieve 1345 certification. And they're doing so using the Greenlight Guru EQMS software platform. So there is hope if you're in this journey, trying to figure out how and what and when, and you're concerned about the timeline, or maybe you don't know what it is that you need to do, I would encourage you to listen to this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, founder, and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. Folks, it's time to wake up. 1345, 2016, it's upon us. And from what I'm reading, uh, a lot of companies are behind. So let's <laughs> let's try to f- fix that. And uh, with me today, I have uh, a good friend and partner of ours at Greenlight Group, Kyle Rose with Rook Quality Systems, to talk about 1345 2016 tips and tricks. Kyle, welcome. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me, and good for good to talk with you again. Yeah, absolutely. So you're in the trenches, man. You're dealing with this all the time. I mean. Uh, as we were kind of chatting a little bit ago, you just shared a story that that I think is kind of interesting on this topic, uh, something about flying an auditor around the country or, or something like that. So maybe we just kind of talk a little bit about that story because I, I think it really is important for people to understand time is ticking. Yeah, and I know you guys just did a post on this recently as well about if you haven't started the process, it's already too late. And uh, we've got two clients, um, both that have their audits scheduled, but part of the the new requirement is, you know, you have to make sure you've done your internal audit to the new standard before they come and audit you. Um, so we've got two clients that are scrambling. We're flying some monitors to Texas. They went to California this week and next week to try to get those internal audits completed for those companies to the new standard um, so they can submit that. And this typically is part of the stage one review. So like the external review before the audit even comes, they want to see these internal audit records and management review records as well as all the documents. So companies, you know, giving us some short notice and we're, we're trying to do the best we can to help them out. But um, definitely trying to plan these things um, is helpful for everybody, you know, to sure. make sure you have a good plan for your transition, your internal audit and everything that goes into it. Sure. And so, you know, it's probably good to, to kind of level set everyone and let's make sure we're, you know, we're get everybody to understand this sort of scenario, you know, and we'll probably come back to a couple of your your uh, stories, your experiences on, on dealing with this. But you know, why is now so important from a 1345 standpoint? I mean, what's the big deal? Maybe you can give some perspective of, of why this is such a big deal and why now is, is important. Yeah. So as most of us know, the standard was from 20, 2003. Um, it got updated um, in 2016. So typically with the new standard, they give you a few years to transition. Um, it's been over two years now. So the cutoff is, uh, I think, February for most auditing organizations. February 2019. So that means if you have your audit scheduled um, between now and February, it has to be to the new standard. If you don't have your new ISO 2016 certificate by February 2019, you can lose 
your ISO certification. It can also affect your CE mark, your Health Canada. Um, there's also the MedSAP schedule that plays into this a little bit as well, um, as Health Canada is really pushing the company's move to the single medical device single audit program. And that requires compliance with the updated 1345 2016 version as well. Yeah, and that, that MDSAP, or, or however you choose to say it, the single audit program, the, the Canadian requirements, uh, that's even more stringent. Uh, you said February for the 2016, but but if you if you have a market in Canada and you want to stay in Canada, that's like January, right? Yeah. So January is like you have to have a certificate by January. And this actually just got moved back a little bit. And I'm supposed to be talking to some of the auditing organizations um, this week about how they're interpreting that. But Health Canada sent out a letter about a week and a half ago that if you have your audit scheduled in 2019 for MedSAP, then you can still sell. So there's a okay. little bit of pushback. It was hard. You had to have your certificate. January 1st, 2019, but there's a little bit of change in that. If you have questions, um, it's on the Health Canada website or you can, you know, companies can reach out to us as well. We're still trying to learn more about it as well. Yeah. And, and uh, for people to reach out to you, what, what is the best way to do that? Um, you know, maybe your website, you have a contact page. On, on our website, rookqs.com, you can reach us through that or my email is kyle.rose, R-O-S-E, at rookqs. Yeah. Uh, you can answer all your questions that way. Yeah. Folks, Kyle and the Rook quality team, this is what they do. You know, they, they help companies get their quality system dialed in. As I mentioned, they are, they've been partners with Greenlight Guru almost since the beginning. And so Kyle can help you get your, not only your quality system up to speed with 2016, but in, in the process, also move you off of paper and get you into a modern quality system, electronic quality system that's designed for and built by medical device professionals for the medical device industry. So all of the, the caveats, the rules, the regulations, the requirements for 1345, as well as FDA, they're built into the workflows in, in the Greenlight EQMS quality system. So you, know, you can check out Rook Quality System, but you can also reach out to us at Greenlight Guru to learn more about our software platform. And we're going to help you. Now, time is ticking. And, and you know, if, if you don't take action, uh, you're going to run out of time. And you rest assured, this is why... Kyle and I are talking today because there are some things that you can do. There are some tips and pointers. There are resources that you can leverage, whether it be Rook, whether it be Greenlight or, or the combination, we can help you uh, ensure that you meet that timeline. Now, one other thing that you just mentioned, Kyle, uh, you know, Health Canada, not, they're not backing away from that. So folks, I don't want you to hear that, that, oh, I got plenty of time. You still need to take action. You still need to be proactive. You still need to be aggressively pursuing that MDSAP uh, process. You still need to get in the queue. This is, this is, exactly. not, it's not a blank. Yeah, if you have Health Canada now, you have to comply with 2016 and 2018 anyway. So um, that still has to be done. So, so, All right, so yeah, so you mentioned uh, that the Rook team is sending auditors all over the country to help companies with internal auditing. So let's get into some of the tips and tricks. Let's maybe talk about some of the things that companies should be doing now to make sure that they can can do what they need to do to, to meet this this aggressive timeline. Yeah, I mean, really, the first thing, um, and it goes along with that internal audit, is is creating a kind of gap analysis or internal audit plan um, to review your current QMS and then highlight what's missing um, in compliance with the new standard. Uh, we have checklists for that. You guys have get Greenlight has checklists for this. Um, we can help you guys through this process if you reach out to to Rook. Um, and that's really the first step. Um, once you have that going, then you'll have a better idea of what's missing. Um, there's also, you know, a few things within the standard that um, we've noticed we've been through um, about five audits 
on site where they're transitioning, as well as uh, we've done a ton of internal audits. So there's a few things that we've noticed from our on-site audits with the actual auditor um, that we wanted you know, to pass along to everybody else that's getting ready to make sure they had these kind of highlighted. They're somewhat hidden a little bit in the standard, easy to overlook. So we want to make sure that uh, everybody was focusing on these as well. All right, that's good. And, and the gap analysis, folks, is, is a key thing. Uh, from everything that I've heard, and, and Kyle, you've, you've been through this several times now, um, the things that I've heard is your ISO auditor uh, is going to want to see your gap analysis. That's yeah. going to be a key artifact as part of this transition process, right? Exactly. They're going to see that you, you've done the sufficient planning to make this transition. And it's not something that was just you know thrown together at the last minute. And that includes the management review as well. So you, one of the new updates to the standard is the new inputs and outputs for your management review. So in your hopefully 2017, if not early 2018 management review, you would have done that to the new inputs, the new updates, as well as discussed your gap analysis and transition plan to the updated standard. So talk about like management review. Is, would you recommend that a company does a management review? Um, like when was that? Would, would, when should they do that? Should they do that once they've completed the gap analysis um, to identify the issues? Or, or is that something they should do after they've implemented the, the, the different changes that are impacting their quality system? Should they do both? What are your thoughts? We, yeah, so we, we typically take the approach. I know, we, Brooke, we work with a lot of the smaller startup, medium-sized companies um, that are typically easier to complete management reviews. But we tell everybody we work with that uh, we prefer quarterly rather than annually. And that's, you know, to get everybody involved, make sure all the management is committed to the quality system. And then in that situation, you'd be able to do one, you know, before. So you could plan the gap, plan the timeline, and then do another one to review the results and see if there are any CAPAs or NCRs related to um, these gaps. So I would say, you know, one before, one after. It's easy typically to increase the amount of management reviews. I think it looks good in audits as well that you're showing uh, clear commitment from the whole company, whole management structure. Um, in the quality system. Yeah, and I think um, you know that that concept in in general is it's not the main reason why 1345 is being updated, but a big a big part or a big message that I I get when I read the changes to the 2016 standard is the growing expectation that executive management has their finger on the pulse of their business and the effectiveness of their quality management system. And in you know in my 20 year history, I've seen so many companies that they um, they do management review more because they have to. You know, they're checking a box. You know, they're not getting a lot of value out of it. And and I think this is really the the, the tone that we should the message that, that we should take as an industry is th this quality system is not just a compliance thing. You know, this is a way to to increase and improve your efficiency and improve your your best practices and to really run your business. Exactly. You know, I definitely agree. And I, I even say that about other industries. I was like, I, I don't know how they exist without sufficient quality systems. And, you know, it's kind of scary. But yeah, I think, you know, being really involved in the med device and how it's changed. And I definitely agree. It's, it's very important. It improves the quality of your product and the quality of your company. Um, so it should not be a burden or something that you, you don't like to do. I think it should be, you know, something that you're encouraged to do and you want the whole team to do. And that's Part of the stuff why we team with Greenlight is, you know, our goal is to make it as simple and efficient as possible. And that's a lot of stuff that we see with the Greenlight product as well. So yeah. if it's easy to do, then people are more likely to do it. And, you know, you stick with the standard and you improve your company and your product. Yeah, that's great to hear. And that's, folks, that's a, a big part of, of our mission at Greenlight is, is to improve the quality of life, not just the patients who are going to receive your medical devices and your technologies, but also you as a medical device professional. You know, we've built the, per, the workflows that, with a purpose you know, to, to meet certain needs. Management review uh, can be one of those things that you dread because you know, if you're dealing with a paper-based approach or you've got spreadsheets to run your business, trying to collect data and information 
for that management review can can be very time consuming. And this is why you should check out the Greenlight Guru uh, Grow platform. We just we've built in the workflows to help you better manage kappas and complaints and non-conformances. But we also have an analytics dashboard so you can track and trend what's happening in all these processes. So theoretically, uh, you could do a management review every day. You can log into your system. You can see what's happening with, with those various uh, key processes uh, that make up your quality system. And it makes for, you know doing quarterly management reviews so much simpler. It's going to give you time back in your day for sure. Um, so, but you know, on that quality system, EQMS uh, topic, there is an element that, that has found its way into the standard about uh, QMS software validation. Can, can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, so that's updated in uh, section 4.1.6. Um, document procedures for the validation and use of electronic um, quality systems or software applications used in the quality system. So this could be you know, not just things like Greenlight, but other softwares, um, databases, um, customer management, distribution softwares, um, stuff like that that you, any of these companies might be using to either handle complaints or training, um, those need to be validated. What what we've done with our approach, um, and it's worked well with audits we've had, is you know to first write a procedure that outlines specifically this part of the standard. So it's not your software development procedure. If you're one of the device companies that's actually developing software, this is a separate um, validation of software used in the quality system procedure. So add that to your quality system and then do another, you know, gap analysis is the key word, but do another one on your software systems and determine what needs to be validated, what's the highest risk to the quality system, and then take that risk-based approach of getting the, the highest ones um, completed as soon as you can before your audit. So um, in our experience, they will review the procedure and then review records of your EQMS or software using the quality system validations. Yeah. So, you know, this part 11, sometimes people ask about that. This is analogous to, to QMS software validation. Um, those are certainly things that you want to plan yep. and, and, and define your requirements and test and prove and demonstrate. Now, I talk to companies all the time that, um, you know, smaller startup companies, well, even larger companies, frankly, they may be using something like uh, Dropbox or Google Drive or, or Box. How does that play into QMS software validation? Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's been a question for a long time. And uh, I think I always recommend keep a paper copy and uh, it's really hard to validate Dropbox or Box um, with the changes and stuff they roll out without, you know, it's a much broader scope than just metal device companies. So for sure. um, same thing with like the DocuSigns and things like that. If you're using that, um, you need to have some sort of validation um, into what you're doing and it can be done. It's, you know, I would I typically recommend using a more streamlined solution for med devices, but um, it can be done, but it, it needs to be documented and it needs to be worked through on what you use it for, how you use it, um, and get as much information as you can about that software. Yeah, and I think, folks, that's, that's really tricky. You know, Kyle's mentioning, you know, or sharing uh, some of his experiences. So you have to be um, deliberate and intentional about your quality system and the software tools that you're using and things like that. So if you're using something like a Dropbox or a DocuSign or, or you've got a, a, a server that has uh, access, where people access certain documents and records, those are examples of software that, yep. that you're using for your quality system in some way, shape or form. Uh, you cannot ignore the validation component. You need to do something about that. Uh, so if this is describes your company and how your team is accessing procedures, yeah, you may have a paper copy and it may that may be the signed quote master copy, but you're still using these electronic systems, these, these software packages to access the information. So you need to d devise a plan, you need to assess and evaluate what you need to do. And it can be tricky, but you need to stay on top of it because you can expect auditors to uh, to to look at those types of things and they want exactly. to see your evidence. Now they may not they may not have looked at it before. 
and they may not look at it the next time, but it is a growing area of concern because more and more companies are relying on different software tools to help them better manage uh, their business and their documents and their records. And, and it kind of leads me to this, this, uh, the, the other area I know is an increased in, in some scrutiny is supplier uh, related topics. And, and how does that all play? I mean, because if you're using different software package, I mean, technically Dropbox kind of becomes a supplier to you as exactly. a company, right? Yeah. So how, how does that all play in? Yeah. Um, so this, this new clauses in both the supplier side and there's an additional one in related to outsourcing of quality stuff. Um, so this could be like contractors like Greenlight or Rook um, and having, you know, the big thing is to have written agreements with all of these suppliers or contractors um, that outline their role within the quality system. Um, a lot of times what we see with a lot of smaller companies is, you know, they're using big companies to source some of their products and, you know, it could be on Amazon or Amazon web services or other things. And it's not your Dropbox and it's not likely that they're going to get a signed agreement from these big companies. So uh, the best plan is to do as much as you can to document what you're using. If you have any contractors or suppliers that, you know, you can and distributors, you should definitely do everything to get your completed agreement with them and have that signed. That will be reviewed in your audit. It might not have been reviewed before. Um, Sometimes it's reviewed by the FDA, but not the ISO, but those will be reviewed going forward. Um, so that's the big thing with the big companies, you know, we, we complete surveys and, um, kind of go on that step and show it's a low risk component, but, um, getting agreements is, is definitely critical for high level and contractors. Yeah. And I think this is one of those areas, you know, that, you know, we're seeing with 1345, 2016, it's, it's much more in sync with FDA 20, almost yeah. item per item. Yeah. And there's a couple other areas I want to talk to you about today. Um, but the supplier area is one of those those areas that for a long time uh, has been a focus during FDA inspections. Exactly. You know, and so having your approved supplier list and identifying uh, key or critical suppliers or however you define those and, and making sure that you have agreements in place with those those key or critical suppliers and is important and that you've done your proper due diligence, your evaluation, your qualification, monitoring. You can't just sign up a supplier one time and, and say that you're done with it. You need to continually monitor your suppliers too and make sure that they're continuing yeah. to meet your requirements and the terms that you've specified in those agreements. And those, just to be clear, those agreements should not just be over pricing figures and sales and stuff like that. You need to cover quality as well. That's really the focus of the of what the ISO standard is looking for. Uh, of course, your sales numbers and price per unit, all that will be in there as well. But all of the quality related things need to be in that agreement as well. Yeah, so here's a, a scenario, and it's supplier related that I hear about sometimes, where a company is is um, you know maybe smaller in nature, and you know they 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 kind of have an you know they own the, the design or the IP of of the product, but they're outsourcing a, a lot of the the functions to different groups, like mm-hmm. they may outsource to a contract manufacturer. Yeah. And the scenario that I hear sometimes is, oh well, I don't need to worry about a quality system because I'm using a contract manufacturer that's that's 1345 certified. When you hear that, how do you react and respond to that situation? Yeah, we, we you know we cover this a lot. This is always part of our initial training with all the teams we work with. Is you know you're the company that is registered with the FDA or registered with C or Health Canada, so it is on you to make sure that your device is safe and effective, not the contract manufacturer. So um, you are the one that has all the risk and needs to have the complete quality system. Even if your entire company is virtual, um, you still are responsible for your product. Um, so that's, yeah, pretty straightforward from my perspective, but, but yeah, we do get that same question quite a lot. And that's the answer. <laughs> There's no getting around it. Yeah. You're the one responsible. It's your company. It's your product. Yeah. So folks, you know, bottom line, if your name goes on that product at the end of the day, uh, you must have a quality system and it is your responsibility to ensure that that product 
is safe and effective and, and meets the, the indications for use uh, for the, the various clearances that you have throughout the world. So you need to have a quality system in place. Now, it's okay that, that you use contract manufacturers, and it's great that your contract manufacturer is 1345 certified. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, you'll, you'll need to have processes and procedures uh, that describe your business processes. And, and supplier agreements will be important in, in this uh, case as well, because uh, you'll need to define what that contract manufacturer is doing for you and, and how they're meeting your quality criteria. And then also what it is that you're doing to ensure that the things that they're manufacturing for you continue to meet your, your quality uh, requirements and specifications. Yeah, on that same uh, topic, we're also seeing a trend towards you know, the auditors wanting more information um, stored at the actual facility and not saying, you know, the contract manufacturer has all these validation records, oh, yeah. FMEA records. Um, a lot of it's tied to MedSAP, but um, some to ISO as well as wanting more of that information on site with the regulatory holder of that mm-hmm. device. So. so so you mean like um, contract manufacturer? I mean, Historically, like company may say, oh, I'm using a contract manufacturer. So uh, ISO auditor comes and says, where's your, your DMR, your device, um, yep. your, your device master record? Uh, the, a common response used to be, oh, well, that's kept and managed by, by my contract manufacturer. So if I'm reading between the lines, what you're saying is, what you're observing is uh, that's not going to pass muster these days. Yeah, that's definitely um, the moving away from that. And I think, you know, stuff like Greenlight has made that, should make that process easier to share, share information with your contractors, contract manufacturers, or any of your other parts that are outsourced for your device. But yeah, definitely moving towards bringing as much of that information as, in as you can in-house. All right, so let's, it kind of leads me to this, this, uh, this new term that we find in 1345 uh, that hasn't been there before. Uh, and I want to get your take on this term, medical device file. What does that mean? Yeah, so this is kind of a kind of a merger between your typical technical file and your device master record. Um, and you know the approach really is to like you would do with a technical file is to have a specific procedure for creating your medical device file um, that includes everything from the standard. Um, we also are putting a checklist in um, you know that'll reference this is the device medical device file is this number or name and this is where each section that's required is found it's found in this document or this uh, work instruction or this labeling specification um, that's how we're approaching it um, it's kind of i think the approach by iso was you know for the companies that don't have the technical file specification to kind of merge that into the iso but um, typically companies already have all this information it's just making sure it's organized and documented in the right place for that medical device file right. requirement Right. So there, there are lots of other uh, nuances. There's a few subtleties and, and things that, that you'll find when you start to uh, review 1345, 2016, some of the changes that have been added. Uh, I like to, to point people to, there is a really helpful annex toward the, the uh, end of the standard um, that compares um, 2003 version versus the 2016 version. And, and, and that's a really good guide. Mm-hmm. I'll also mention Greenlight and, and Rook have checklist as well that you can compare all the different clauses, the 2016 version versus the 2003 version, also versus uh, what's described in FDA uh, Part 820. So, you know, this is going to be helpful for you doing that gap analysis. Now, considering, you know, we're, we're kind of getting toward the end of our time today, and we've talked a little bit about some of the, the time constraints, you know, February 2019. It's, folks, it's right around the corner. It's not that far away. I know, you're like, oh, I got... I got 10 months or so, give or take. Um, but if you start to, to put together a Gantt chart or a timeline of all the things that you need to do, a gap analysis being important, once you identify gaps, 
uh, or the issues that are the, the items that need to be updated from your gap analysis. Now you got you got work to do. You've got to go update procedures. How many procedures do you have to update? You know, there's a good chance you're going to be updating uh, three fourths of your procedures. Some of them may be pretty benign as far as the changes, but others may be more significant. Yeah, definitely. You know, just reading through the NX, you know, the design control. I mean, there's a ton of new additions from the standard and, you know, that's pretty much a rewrite to make sure you have everything in there. Um, and a few other ones, you know, making sure that risk is incorporated in the majority of your procedures as well. Um, some of that thing, you know, at this point, it's a full review and um, all of these will be reviewed before the auditor comes on site. So if you don't have a section of the updated standard, that's a major right off the bat before an auditor has even showed up at your door. So, yeah. Yeah. So, folks, you know, we want Kyle and and Rook Quality and and Greenlight. Uh, we want you to take this seriously because Kyle mentioned this uh, toward the beginning of our podcast today. If you do not uh, meet the timeline, and your certification could go away, uh, and that's impactful and meaningful because the patients who can benefit from your products in certain markets—Canada, Europe, and maybe even other parts of the world—if you're not if you're no longer certified. Uh, that may mean you can no longer sell and distribute your products in those key markets. And, um, you know, that's, so it's very important, you know, and that's why we're, we're spending time on this particular topic today. Kyle, before we wrap things up, what, what is one or two uh, final tips that you would recommend uh, to companies who are in this journey to pursue 1345, 2016? Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff specifically in this standard one I've seen overlooked quite a bit is in this general requirements is you know, they're wanting companies to define um, their role in each regulatory market. And so it, most companies have this information somewhere, but it's not typically very well organized. So we're looking like a spreadsheet or a document that says, you know, in this country, we do this and sell these devices. Doing that for every country that you sell, you know, a lot of companies have a wide international market. So definitely making sure you're documenting that. And then just back to the, the same point we've talked about, we know all these companies, you know, if you're a quality manager, um, you're busy fighting fires all over the place. Um, but this is definitely the time to, if you haven't already, you're behind to get moving on this this transition. So um, definitely making plans for that. But folks, don't worry. That's that's what we're here for. This is what this is what Rook Quality Systems does all day, every day. And this is what Greenlight Guru does all day, every day. If you're on this journey and you have any questions, comments, concerns, there is a path to 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 do what you need to do to meet these timelines. There is a path to move from paper to an electronic quality system and still meet these aggressive timelines. We can do it. We've done it. Rook Quality Systems has done it. So be sure you reach out to us if you have questions, comments, concerns. This is what we're here for. This is what we do this for a living. This is our chosen profession is to improve the quality of life and help companies navigate all of these changes in, in quality and regulatory and, and all the, what seems to be you know, uh, a moving target. I mean, we've got a lot of things happening in the medical device industry right now. We just touched on one of them with 1345, 2016. But there are other things that are happening. The new medical device regulations and IVD regulations in Europe that Kyle touched on some of the, the MDSAP, the single audit program in, in Canada. So leverage experts, leverage people like Kyle Rose and Quality Systems and, and people like Greenlight Guru to help you through this process. Kyle, I want to thank you again for, for being my guest uh, on the podcast and uh, look forward to, to including you in some uh, future podcasts. Uh, and uh, I'm sure there's lots of things that we can dive into. But again, thank you so much for, for being part of, of today's recording. Definitely, John. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. All um, right. Good luck to everyone out there. And yeah, like John said, reach out to us if you need help. All right. And folks, again, if you want to know more about award-winning medical device industry-specific EQMS platform, 
I would encourage you to go to www.greenlight.guru to learn more information. See how companies like yours are implementing the Greenlight platform and getting ISO 1345 certified in a much simpler, much easier, much more organized fashion. Leverage Greenlight Guru to be your single source of truth. Thank you for listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, the founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear.